0: All right. Welcome back, kind of Christians, super Christians, almost Christians and non-Christians, whoever and wherever. Welcome back to the show. Now, many of you know that I usually interview people with astounding theological prestige, qualifications and the ability to answer and address most difficult issues with faith. Now, I got tired of that and decided I'd rather have on some of my friends who don't know what they're talking about to help address some of these questions. Because when wrestling through the truth of God, it is important that we don't just listen to people with degrees and who can speak Hebrew and Greek, but the average person. And that is why today I'm very proud to bring you three really average people technically one is very above average and we'll start with him and let him do his introduction he is currently at duke divinity school and as we all know there is something very divine going on at duke right now so please welcome to the program the man who actually does know what he's talking about parker pruitt oh (laughs) caleb we'll get we'll get to you in a minute (laughs) parker welcome to the show
1: again that's the hope, right? Um, I mean, I think everyone's got a little bit of imposter syndrome, but um, yeah, I graduated in 2019 from the University of Texas, uh, sort of economics, religious studies, and pre-med. Uh, came to do divinity school this fall to do uh, Old Testament theology, and uh, yeah, I specialize in old dead
0: languages. That's awesome. And what is that officially called um, at your school? Uh, it's a master's of theological studies. Not masters of deceased. It wasn't like deceased, you know, dialects or something. No, no. That
1: would have been Um, awesome. I think like the closest graduate program is ancient Near Eastern studies
0: and uh, like Semitic languages. Awesome. And how long have you been a Christian, Parker, or claimed to be a Christian?
1: Man, so this gets interesting into like when you believe someone can consciously make faith their own. Uh, I would say that my faith uh, really took hold when I was three or four uh, years old um which again like discussion for later
0: but uh really my whole cognizant life and that's so were you and that's when you started reading in greek was about three yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. um last was two greek was three and then it just goes from there that's awesome well speaking of learning how to read caleb you just picked up this skill um welcome to the literati caleb you are not at duke divinity school could you
2: give us a little background about you and what you're doing here i'm not i appreciate that um i live in a very small small town, uh, south of Atlanta. And we are basically trying to revitalize the community here with kind of a holistic approach from economic, spiritual, the whole community bringing businesses here. So yeah, it's kind of different every day, but um, I love it. Super fun. And how
0: long have you been a Jedi slash Christian?
2: Man, I grew up in a Christian family, but when I was like 13, I um, left the church that my family was at, which was a great church and started going where all my friends were going. And, um, so I left the little Presbyterian church and went to the Baptist church slash Pentecostal church. They, they didn't know they were, but they were, and, um, really (laughs) kind of fell in love with the Lord there. It kind of became a personal thing for me. So, oh, so it's not strictly business. It's personal, not always strictly business.
0: Now, okay, awesome. Well, we'll get to more on Caleb Stan later because even though he will be the target of a lot of barbs today, he is actually doing amazing work. Uh, revitalizing uh, a town that actually was a pretty it was actually was a pretty
2: wealthy and it was bustling, like, bustling yeah, town in right the, uh, 1890s <laughs> so there you go that's right right, so, right after the flood um that's right <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll
0: get to that um also joining us uh who is on lunch break right now he is currently a senior uh what's the name of your high school nick Ah, uh, yes.
3: Uh, well it's, it's, uh, I'm homeschooled Ryan. That's right. So yeah, I'm just, you know, really, really happy to be here. I, am uh, on lunch right now. I gotta go finish my ACT prep after nice. this.
0: So, uh, just really thankful to, to be able to squeeze this, this podcast in. That's awesome. Well, folks, he's actually not in high school, though. He has the intellect of someone in high school, a smart high schooler, though. Nick Hurst, who is actually what we call a winfluencer. There are influencers and there are sinfluencers. He is a winfluencer because he is winning people to Christ via new social media methods, which, again, if that doesn't get you into heaven, I don't know what will. So Nick, thanks for being. Nick, how long? So how does one actually become an influencer uh, asking for a friend or three?
3: Yeah. Well, if you can somehow make content to convince people to click follow, then that's that I would say, you know, that's probably the easiest way. And then uh, the second easiest way is probably just, you know, if you want to go the shorter route, just marry somebody who has a ton of followers. And then there's a there's of course some crossover and some bleed over from there too. So you know, I'm I'm not I'm not really sure which which case mine. I, I think every follower I have I probably earned you know, um, I don't think any of my wife's followers would follow
0: me. So yeah, you know, not, not really a big deal, but, um, yeah, just happy to be here. And in all fairness too. So as much as we're going to tease guys, Nick Zach, you actually, you are a pastor, right? You actually preach at churches. You actually travel around delivering the gospel with a little dose of of your own, you know, Hearst so good, right? Yeah. So not a pastor, but an
3: evangelist. Yeah. Um, so yeah, travel all around the country and, I've actually done a little bit of stuff outside the country too and just preaching and partnering with local churches and trying to
0: mobilize communities for christ man it's really awesome that's amazing by the way is everyone seeing that not only is i was about to say nick is a man actually of uh, shockingly quite a bit of depth but what i mean by that is if you look at his camera he appears to be I in a hallway I can see his face. yeah it's about like 50 feet long
2: this is my eyeball okay
0: <laughs> Yeah, Nick, are you in a long hallway of Valhalla? Like, is there like uh, a, it looks like you're in a like a museum?
3: Yeah, no, this is a this is a this is a shotgun home. Unfortunately, I don't know why they call them that. It looks nothing like a shotgun, but nonetheless, it is quite a linear long house, as one be- would say. That was beautiful. Whoever stacked that was, thank you. What 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 did you say?
1: Like a stacked townhouse like structure, or how we?
3: No, uh, it is a shotgun home. You can Google search it if you would like, Barker. Right. We'll, we'll get find, to that later. We have that was actually that was one of
0: our questions of faith we we'll have to ask. I'm doing it now. Yeah, we'll have to get that. So why don't we get to it? So today, guys, we're actually going to be addressing some of the questions that we've asked routinely on this show that scholars have struggled with. So I figured why not ask you guys because ostensibly one of you would have the answer to some of these. So. Every time we will pick a new question box today. Our question box is brought to you, not technically by Audi, but it's an Audi box. So we're just going to give them a free shout out way to go Audi! Um, all right. So who wants to go first, uh, or should we cast lots or, uh, Caleb? Why don't you pick who goes first? Me. You. Okay. All right. Caleb, first question for you. Major issue of faith that people struggle with pulling out of the box here.
2: Were there dinosaurs? on the ark it's a good question i'd love to give a good answer for this but honestly ryan i'm, I'm not a biologist so i don't <laughs> i don't know if i can answer
0: and this. we're canceled thank you for that caleb so all right but in all seriousness let's let's actually think through this so so dinosaurs were a real thing That's a I'm, I'm half joking here, but people do seem to struggle with this is that and all creatures were on the ark right what do you think what, what do you think there were pterodactyls I there on were. the ark
2: um I mean, I take it pretty literally when the Bible says that there were dinosaurs on the ark, I I think there was one, a flood and, or not that dinosaurs were on the ark, but you know, all the animals were on the ark. So, but, um, I wouldn't bet my life on it, but yeah, I'd say, yeah. Okay. Uh, anyone
3: else have an opinion on that? Well, uh, yeah, I'm going to let Parker, I'm going to let Parker go. And I'm just going to steal and act like I know what Parker is saying. Go ahead.
1: It's, it's the size thing, right? So, like, if you kind of add up the size of just, like, a few of the big dinosaurs, you're, you're kind of, like, maxed out capacity there. It's like, yeah, dinosaurs existed. Totally a thing. Don't know whether it was pre or post. I'm going to say pre, right? We've got a few days of creation in there. Like, doesn't specify how long those are, right? So, um, dinosaurs definitely exist. Were they on the Ark? No, it's a size problem.
0: Okay, so can so you unpack that a little bit? The, oh, sorry, go on. before
1: the flood, we think? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm, again, Hebrew guy. Uh, chapters 1 through 11 of Genesis, in my opinion, are uh, poetic. So just because something is true doesn't mean that it had to literally happen in the way that it did. Um, the word that is used there for day very, very well could mean day. It could also mean a bunch of other passages of time uh, that don't necessarily mean like a 24 hour day that we like to think of it in our Roman calendar.
0: Nick, I kept interrupting you and most of the time it's on purpose, but, um, did you actually, uh, did you want to comment on the dinosaurs too? Yes. I would like to,
3: uh, staunchly disagree with, with Caleb for a moment. Uh, just one for no reason, but two, uh, yeah. I mean, actually, I, I don't think that there were dinosaurs on the ark. one, um, like was already mentioned due to a size constraints issue. Cause we know the, know the size relatively of the arc, but number two if we look um, from an archaeological perspective at the depth of different fossils and things like that we actually see considerable sediment layers uh, that would have to somehow indicate an extreme passage of time or as those sediment layers were being washed from one side to the other and being stacked in layers um, as if they were covered in water and so just from an archaeological perspective a biological perspective Um, And then even probably from a biblical historical perspective, I just don't see good reason that um, that dinosaurs would have probably been on the Ark.
0: Interesting. All right. I think that's totally fair. And Caleb, this might be a good time for us to pitch our show that we had come up with, Jurassic Ark, where... Uh, a pterodactyl is gets loose, and a tyrannosaurus is unleashed on the on the, the ark. And you see his goblet of wine, and he goes. I love that. I think yeah. it's real. I think uh, they were.
2: Yeah. They were. Bad. Yeah.
0: Don't ruin it me okay Okay. (laughs) um all right well actually so parker you mentioned a really interesting point about genesis so that's kind of like a half-joking question but the reality is uh there are a lot of things in genesis that don't make a lot of sense to people so since you kind of hinted at that already uh what parker how do you take genesis because a lot of people like you know people's names rhyme with you know shmaleb uh they think seem to think that genesis is read as history which it very well could be it just could be like this happened and these are the events chronologically, but you hinted that there could be some elements that it's sort of mytho-historical or mythopoetical, potentially, or there's like, it's, it's a complicated book, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this is just true of the, the entire Bible. And I, I want to start first by saying that I understand the entirety of the Bible to be holy scripture and fully authoritative, however that doesn't infer how we derive truth from the text, right? So when we read the Psalms, most people would understand the Psalms like, oh, this is poetry. This is a song. This is a Psalm of lament or Thanksgiving or something. We're not supposed to take what is happening literally here. Like God does not lead me beside still waters. He's calming my soul, right? Those are two like, I don't go on a walk next to the river with God every morning, but he calms my soul. Psalm 23, right? Um, And so people have no problem saying, well, the Psalms are poetic and Judges is narrative. We're talking about how the Israelites, you know, came through Canaan. But in Genesis, for some reason, people have an issue parting out some portions of the book as narrative and some as uh, poetry. So I usually like to make the division uh, the primeval history. So Genesis 1 through 11 is largely poetry, has absolute truth within it. Um, It's just, how do we deploy that in a poetic sense or a narrative sense? And then 12 through 50, starting with Abraham and
0: finishing with Joseph, we can take that literally as historical narrative. Anyone want to
2: disagree with that? I disagree. I I respectively disagree. I've had this conversation with a lot of my friends and I think what it comes down to for me is I don't have the confidence or the faith in myself to know where to draw those lines. Um, You know, I also think there's a huge difference in, saying that, okay, it, it's more of a poetic expression to say that, you know, he leads me beside still waters. And to conclude that he also, when he says that he made the heavens and the earth, that those are both kind of poetic things. So for me, it's, I don't, if I start saying that Genesis 1 through 3 is this poetic expression of who God is and how he approached creation, then it's a real slippery slope for me to get to the cross. <laughs> you, know, you can easily start, well, did he really get in the well? Did he really... Heal the people, or was it like I? I just don't have the confidence in myself to know where to draw those lines. And I, I also think that, um, it, it makes sense to me how it is. Like this is the God of the heavens. This is if you know, it, it, it kind of raises this question. And I'll end my thought with this, but like the thought for evolution, almost you know, how could the Earth be young based on this? practical approach to Genesis, but like if God spoke the heavens and the earth and here we are in the garden, Adam and Eve are there. If you were to cut a tree, when you cut that tree, would there be rings in the tree? In the same way, if you cut the earth in that moment, would there be rings in the earth or would it, would the tree, since it was only one day old or one year old, or or would it show signs of age there? Was it, was it created at full maturity, you know, like Adam, like he was we don't know how old he was, but he wasn't an infant, right? So I think there's a lot of missing pieces that we kind of have to put together, but totally un- understand what you're saying. But
0: that was a surprisingly well thought out and poignant response, Caleb, coming from you. Now, I want to get Nick's responses, but Parker, uh, I do want to give you a chance to respond to the senator from Georgia. Uh, did you uh, any, any thoughts on that before we go to uh, Evangelist Nick?
1: Yeah, sort of my quick uh response is just that I fear a lot of the same things. And so sort of the refrain that I ask myself prior to doing a deep dive into a particular section is what, if any, attributes of God change dependent on my answer to this question. So God created the heavens and the earth. Does it change anything about God, whether that happened in six days or six billion years? I don't think so. Does it change something about God if he resurrected or not? Absolutely. Right. Right. And that's, that's sort of a good guiding principle, in my opinion, to sort of figure out what could be possibly poetic and what could possibly be narrative.
2: I like that. Yeah. Did Father Buddha really show up at the well? Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: that's a good, that's good, man. It's good. That's awesome. Um, All right. So, <clears throat> Nick, I'm cool. Well, Nick, did you have any thoughts on Genesis? And is that something that you struggle with at all?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think we've all had those questions before. Um, I'm definitely no exception to the rule by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I just think that one of the most telling factors and one of the most telling ways to look at it is is to survey the Bible and see what uh, people throughout Scripture and throughout history from the biblical perspective actually thought about Genesis and what they thought about the creation story. I mean, I think we would all relatively agree that Paul – Um, That Jesus built their case, built their understanding and their theological framework on sin and salvation based on a literal understanding of Genesis. I mean, Paul even quotes that sin came into the world through Adam. And so, yes, in Hebrew, Adam means man. All it means is a man. Um, But, you know, from this perspective in which it was written, it is talking about a single man. It's talking about a individual like sin came in the world through the through this individual And so, um, I, I, but I mean, I can see both perspectives. Like I see what Caleb is talking about when he says it's a slippery slope. And if we just start, you know, kind of unraveling things and like, oh, I guess it wasn't literal and trying to like stretch the Bible to make it fit. Like the understanding that we want it to fit inside of Then, I mean, at the most basic point, like, I think that could be to a degree deconstruction, but then on the other side of the aisle, I also understand that like, you know, of course, there is poetry in in the scriptures. I mean, Proverbs is full of it. Psalms is full of it. Even uh, some of the prophetic books have a good sense of poetry to them. And so, uh, I, I just think that we need to. Uh, at least, this has been the case for me. I've just been saying a lot more. I don't know, and I'm not sure. And I want to do a lot more study in that before I start drawing lines in the sand and like, no, nope, this is exactly what I believe, or like, this is my perspective on it. And I'm unwilling to change. I'm unwilling to waver. Um, on like, I think I'm unwilling to waver on the primary issues like sin, salvation, like the basics and cores of doctrine. But tertiary and secondary issues, I mean, I think that we can we can talk all day long until we're blue in the face. Uh, and I don't think, uh, like was already mentioned, it will change the character of God. But uh, but man, the primary things I think that those are things that we need to make sure that we're getting right and that we're um, having meaningful discussion about.
0: Now, so you said Adam means a man.
3: Is that what that means? Is that right Parker? Doesn't it doesn't uh, Adam in Hebrew mean man?
1: Yeah, so Adam or Adama means like man and it also means like dust or dirt.
0: Cause when you said Amen, I thought you were talking I thought you're making fun of Caleb's accent. Mm-hmm. Um because that's right, right. Caleb, is that how you say it in church? Is A man. Amen.
2: That's,
0: that's right. how we say Adam. <laughs> okay, that's right. adam yep, All right. Is. Well actually this is uh interesting. So uh Nick, this interesting segue into the question I had for you, and obviously we'll have a lot to unpack potentially with this one, is you know, evolution seems to be this uh fortress that uh precludes a lot of people from breaking through into faith and that it is Sensibly, completely incompatible uh, with faith uh, for some people. Uh, then there are others that have a more reconciliatory view that, uh, you know, uh, probably a little similar to what Parker shared, that uh, depending on your view of uh, Genesis, that there is room for natural processes that are not fully outlined in um in genesis and then there's just a lot of stuff we don't know like there is no framework i mean to my understanding i still don't think we have exact closure on why all the dinosaurs died very sad um or trump would say very sad lost all the dinosaurs big fan uh but how do you how do you process evolution are you in process are you are your views shall we say evolving oh good plug there uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of like thinking
3: through this as well and just like asking questions one to myself, but two to just other people I trust. And uh, I think that I would probably fall on a more reconciliatory view of evolution. I don't think that the Bible and evolution are incompatible in any sort of, uh, any sort of way. Uh, and I mean, you know, if, if you and I go to the beach, And we're out there all day long, like naturally our skin is going to just get toasted and burnt. But yet there's other people and there's other animals and there's other species in different parts of the world who have evolved to their certain climate or environment. And so to say that, you know, a species or that that an animal, that a person can't uh, evolve to their surroundings is just... Uh, One, I just don't think it's accurate. I think that God created beings intelligent enough to uh, weather the cold, weather the hot, weather the jungle, weather the desert. And so um, I don't think that the two are incompatible in any kind of nature. One of the biggest hiccups uh, for a guy that you've probably all never heard of in your life before, uh, his name was Billy Graham. Um, But when he was becoming, um, you know, kind of uh, America's pastor and one of the greatest preachers of the last generation, uh, he actually really, really struggled uh, in a particular case with Darwinism and the kind of evolutionary theory that was uh, coming through in the day. And uh, he just had to draw a line in the sand at a certain point and say, you know, God, I've asked all the questions. I've sought all the answers that I could, but I just have to make a, I just have to draw a line in the sand right now and just say that I'm going to trust your word. And I'm going to preach your word fully and authoritatively um, and for the rest my life, and, and that's exactly what he did. So in short, I don't think that the two are incompatible. Um, yes, if you stretch to the fringes of either one of those sides, of course, you're going to get some um, some weird answers. But uh, I really just believe that on many things, the truth is somewhere in the middle.
2: Mm-hmm. I give yeah. some thought. Am I allowed to speak?
0: Yeah, you, you tried to make a snide I, comment. And uh, while Nick was actually offering us something of value. So, Caleb, since you fact. are in the camp that there were pterodactyls flying around everywhere on the ark, uh,
2: let's, uh, what's your thoughts I, on this? I think it's important to define evolution. i like, first of all, I think we evolve every day as we grow up, we're evolving into some of custom. us do. We, we, <laughs> we are emotionally, we're evolving mentally. We're evolving. Uh, some of us are, <laughs> Nick, it hasn't started for Nick, but you know, normally <laughs>
3: I'm just kidding. Still in process. We're, we're all
2: evolving. Right. But I'm a firm believer in like micro evolution, like species especially over whether it's 6 thousand years or a hundred thousand years or wherever we we, we want to say that is but obviously things evolve and change macro evolution is a different case for me when we're talking about different species evolving you know if we came from the monkey where are the monkey people I want to see the people in between <laughs> you know like um, like there's no there's a, a ton of questions I have there um, and in short i would say no I don't I don't believe they're very compatible in the scale of a uh, macro large scale interspecies right. change. But I think that, um, that's a good comment we, we change. And, uh, so yeah, th- that's my thought on it.
0: Okay. So you're delineating that and you're right. I'm we curious. should clarify in that question that, uh, that there is microevolution. So, the fact that species evolve and adapt to their environment seems to be without dispute, but uh, the evolution as the entire explanatory framework for the existence of all life seems to be uh, something that is you know, irreconcilable, obviously, with Genesis because of God. So, the question is, if we're going to reconcile it, did God somehow leverage or use evolution to create life and that could be the framework um so parker do you have any uh do you thoughts uh i mean you you've probably evolved several times while caleb was talking oh actually normally caleb speaks it's the opposite i I find there's actually a regression in most people (laughs) (laughs) yeah so
1: i would say that my like hot take on macro evolution is that i i like nick's point of view where it's just this sort of humble faith-seeking understanding where it's like, yeah, I don't know. I I think the Bible is fully compatible with either 6,000 years old or 12.5 billion years old for the earth. Um, Again, I think that God is the one who started and orchestrated it all. So it doesn't bother me which one happens to be true. At the same time, I'm currently of the opinion that macroevolution is probably accurate, but not in the way that like Darwin describes it in Origin of Species everyone even the evolutionists think that that's relatively bogus at this point so like we're not to my understanding like waiting for the monkeys to become us but rather our common ancestor like a long long time ago split off which made like gorillas and monkeys and then the other side made like homo erectus and then neanderthals and then us the homo sapiens and we were like stronger smarter or something so we like murdered all the neanderthals so do with that what you will um but then god theoretically looked at us and was like wow these things are dope let's
0: give them souls um do you think god actually said these are dope was that is that somewhere in the hebrew text that i missed so, about does a Gen Z or millennial
2: homo erectus?
0: <laughs> I was guessing we had a pool going, Caleb, of which of us would respond to the term Better erectus, about, yeah. and you won. <laughs> way to go! So, well, considering yeah, that,
3: considering that Caleb is actually a homo sapien, it probably wouldn't be far fetched to, to think that he is a homo erectus. He's, he's just catching up. So, Caleb is just
0: in this constant state of catch up. Yeah, way to go, Caleb. I know, way yeah. to go. Um that's no so I appreciate that Parker that's um it's cuz it is you know I think the the tough thing and even for me is now just because something is super complex that doesn't mean that it can't happen with enough time and chance but it seems and I again none of us are biologists on this in the, in the sense of like Richard Dawkins or something but I don't know right now if there is a current accepted uh consensus that organic compounds with enough time and chance can somehow eventually get to the complexity of the human brain and consciousness and all that. Like there's a framework where sure you throw them together in the right environment, but like, I mean, I don't think that's happened yet, right? Where you can't, if anyone knows otherwise, let me know. But I think that's the, to me, that's the biggest holdup.
2: If it does, it, it still, I think to me, it still breaks the formula that Parker proposed: Of does it affect the character of God and who God is? Because if that's the case, if it does, if the dog poop over here on the curb that I, I must stepped in, if I give that enough time and it becomes something brilliant and beautiful, where <laughs> is God's? Where is the creator and intelligent design in that? And the same, if we are God's masterpiece, Psalm one thirty nine. Some of us are. Know, we're fearfully and wonderfully made, with a couple exceptions. More and more every day now. Um, <laughs> if that's, my, if that's not intentional creation, intentional design, then how valuable really am I? If, you but if you I personally? I, <laughs> I'm done. I'm yeah. Done. I think
3: like the big question I have is like, are we, are we bending scripture and being liberal with our theology? so that we can fit inside the parameters of the scientific community or are we like are we trying so hard to find this mutual ground to explain every little nuanced detail that we're curious about or are we trusting in like the authoritative nature of scripture um more like i i don't i don't know it just seems like if you go too far in one direction you know someone's going to be ticked off and people are ticked off anyway people are mad about everything now so um, it just seems like there's two different, there's two different like frameworks of understanding the Bible. And, uh, and I, I would just say, it's really cool to just like even have a conversation and observe different perspectives and different takes on things. Cause one, I think it's beneficial for the audience listening, all three people. Um, but it's also beneficial, I think for just us here to, to kind of peer inside of the mind of, of other individuals who may have different perspectives and takes than,
0: than we do. You have more than three followers. And when you share this, I, I would hope so. Is that your engagement is going to be way down if that's all we have and lost sponsors. So we're going to get that taken care of. So also Parker followed the same rule. He is married to someone with a great following as well. So way to go, Parker. On that. It well,
1: didn't carry over those. So Nick's gonna have <laughs> to help me out with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're basically counting on Nick to promote this. We know Caleb's Caleb, we're actually uh, gonna ask you not to
2: share it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gonna subtract listeners.
0: Yeah, so so de evolution. Oh, you want to yeah, watch our them. score
2: devolve. Gonna put this um,
0: on the screen at the alternative. That's right. I also want to edit this too, since you said one direction, and then we just cut to an immediate one direction clip. That would just be uh because you know, that's what makes you beautiful is your inner beauty. Um, all right. Well, those are, man, there's so much to talk about in Genesis. Um, I, uh, gosh, the evolution is, is a tough one. And I know that, but I guess the broader question though, is that does science and faith seemingly commingle more than we realize? And, and Parker, I'm curious, you're, since you're actually studying this professionally at a, a, a very prestigious uh, academic institution, do you find that in your school, the general consensus is that it starts with the Bible is true and that we got to fit science into that somehow, or is there more of a, a position that, you know, science is true and we're just going to try and fit faith into that box and what we know about scripture?
1: I think out of a place of desire, a healthy desire for social change, uh, mm-hmm. most students at the school are approaching their academics with, I have this painful experience and our culture or our country is at a, a pivotal point. And I want to rectify that experience um, with how the scriptures or God can genuinely be good for the betterment of my relationships and the culture. I personally don't agree with that approach. But that is the approach of what most of my uh, classmates and a lot of the scholarship being done, I, I think sort of embodies where I think a lot of my professors are coming from and where I'm trying to come Uh, from in my scholarship, it harkens back to St. Augustine in the third century saying, um, all truth is God's truth. And when you recognize that, it frees you up to study a lot of interesting things. I shouldn't be afraid when I open Darwin's Origin of Species. I shouldn't be afraid when I open any theory or book or anything, because if it contains truth, it will be compatible with God's truth. God is the author and perfecter of not only creation, but also our faith and our lives is going to be embodied in all truth. And so what I think we see most often, particularly in the postmodern movement and even some at school, whether that's undergrad or graduate school, is people are almost ping ponging off of other people's straw man arguments. So it's like if you have this tenet of faith that's like, I'm not budging on this one for whatever personal reason, and that gets knocked down. Well, not only does that person have a false victory that they feel like they can parade around, uh, which is, I think, what Richard Dawkins does in a lot of his books, Um, but at the same time, the person who is holding that, let's say, tertiary doctrine as concrete for whatever reason might be at risk for losing their faith because, again, for an incorrect reason, they were pinning their faith and their hope in God on something that's pretty inconsequential in the grand scheme of things.
0: And use the word tertiary too. So excellent, Uh, Caleb. That was on your bingo card, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, we wrote that. Also, whose phone is going? Who's who's texting their boo right now? I got three married guys. Phone going off. One guy looking down, obviously texting right now. I just want to know which one because I'm the single guy here. I'm the one who is currently you know, the most eligible batch that of the 405 and it ain't my, unless it's DoorDash, which I did order a sandwich earlier. So, Ryan, DoorDash, I think you that look. you're, Ryan, I think respectively you're asking us the wrong
3: question. Uh, I think that you, you should be asking how, uh, how can we help you get your phone to vibrate more? Um, <laughs> I think I think that should be the 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 actual question.
0: I see. Ask. Well it's on do not, do not disturb, disturb, disturb right now. That's or prayer mode as it's called in my, my phone. Ah, uh, gotcha. Um, do you set up a custom a custom setting for do not disturb? Yeah, do not disturb. That's uh thankfully the god we purport to serve does not have a do not disturb, uh which is great. Very, very thankful for that. Come so, on, somebody. Um, all right, so I want to move on to a couple. Make this a little more personal uh, for y'all, and we'll go back to. I, I think we need a break from uh, from usefulness and utility. So let's go to Caleb for this. Uh, Caleb, uh, what you. is something? I'm going to ask all of you this, but for you who's been walking uh, with uh, with Christ since you went to the Penabaptist Church, uh, what? Uh, is there something about faith that just really bothers you that you're like, is there like pick, I'm sure there's a couple of things as you meditate on this day and night, but is there something that just, man, just like you've not figured out. And it's one of the most frustrating elements. Um, don't worry, this will not affect your canonization process. Yeah, we did submit think, it to the church.
2: Uh, I think we've talked about this a little bit. I wouldn't say it bothers me, but I, I think it's important to understand that sometimes faith is like a, it's like a dancing. It's like a dance or like a wrestling match, you know, Jacob, wrestled with God and he walked away with a limp. Like you you see all these amazing characters in the Bible. And like one thing I've been dancing with is just um, you know, we're kind of taught in American Christianity, there's this, there's this attitude and it's not always articulated directly, but it's like we're gonna we're supposed to pray to God. We're supposed to talk to God. We're supposed to ask God, beg God, plead with God, trust God. But we're also supposed to know that He's like ultimately in control and He has a perfect plan. So it's like, if, if God does have a perfect plan and and he's in control, then why would I talk to him? Why would I pray other than the fact that he loves me? But is there this also, is there this chance that if I beg and plead and wrestle with God that he might hear that and say, you know what, this this is, this, this is my will, my unchanging perfect will. But like, is he also willing to hear our prayer and be like, you know what, try it, like go, go for it. Give it a chance. (laughs) Like does he like? How effective is that with God? And I think that's something that's, that that interests me, because I've seen him answer answer prayers and I've seen him also not answer prayers. You know, like, um, and it's always you come out on the other in like still trusting him and oftentimes trusting him more. But what does it look like when when the God of the universe turns his head and he listens? Does he just listen or does he does he respond does he respond? I don't know. It's just something interesting to me. I think it's kind of cool. So
0: you personally want to figure out how to circumvent God's perfect will through, uh, the sort of Luke 11 by the boldness and persistence of your asking, can you get
2: your will done? Yeah. Not even necessarily, (laughs) not even necessarily that, but like (laughs) what, what it, what is that's there's tension because those are, they seem diff, they seem like opposites, but they're not, there's, there's a, there's a dance there and there's a now, unity and So You're, you're talking, what, for example,
0: about Abra- like, for example, Abraham seemingly negotiating yep, with God to, a to save thing. a city, right? Just like, did God always know that was going to happen or did Abraham actually change his mind? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Is, that is something I, I, I do wrestle with too. Um, Nicker, uh, actually, well, I guess I, I can't do this with four people. I can't just go. Because normally I go, any thoughts on that? But we have to pick. So uh, Nick, I'll start Just any, any quick thoughts on what Caleb shared? yeah um, yeah
3: just based on what Caleb shared I think that uh, I think that God yeah I, I actually um, I actually asked this question to a theologian friend of mine. He works with uh, Proverbs 31 a few weeks ago and I want to find it here because his answer was just. Spectacular. Yes. Yeah, Nick has so theologian question. friends,
0: by the way, guys. That's what he was saying. Nick <laughs> dropped a theologian uh friend. Well, his,
3: name, his name is Joel matamale So if any of you guys um want to follow him, then do so. But I asked him this question. I thought it was really, really compelling. I said, Does God ever change his mind? How does that correlate with sovereignty? For example, first Samuel 15, um, verse 11 And he said this. I thought it was good. He said, First, as we look at God's will throughout scripture, we find two different types. Uh, types of will that maintain unity. So think Trinitarian unity uh, in the midst of diversity. Uh, this is the first place that we have to start to help us. We can distinguish the types of will as God's secret will. I prefer God's sovereign will and speaks to the doctrine of God's providence and God's will of command. Uh, my old my old seminary professor, Dr. John Frame referred to this as God's perceptive will and speaks to God's moral will and expectations for humanity. Um and of course, there's a whole lot more jargon to go along with it, but uh, I, yeah, I just thought this was really good, like how God has these different perceptions of different wills and plans that He's orchestrating all at one time. I think that because me and my finite nature, I just have like one plan of like what I'm trying to accomplish and what I'm trying to do in life. But I think that God has many different plans and wills, and those things weave themselves into culture and into human life in different ways, and so um, yeah, I think that God can change his mind. We see that from scripture. I think that God can change his plans or his will based on the pleading and based on the asking, um, of his creation. And I just find that to be super, super fascinating. Um, and I also find it to be really, really comforting that the God of the universe, he does hear me. He does know me. Um, he does know my heart. He does know the things that I'm longing for and the things that I'm afraid of. And, and, um, yeah, he changes things in my life and in his plans, according to that. And I think that's a pretty, pretty incredible, incredible thing.
0: Amen. Parks and Rec.
1: Yeah, I, um, I have a really tough time with this because I think it's, it's a downstream question of ultimately the, the issue of agency and causation, uh, in the universe. Uh, is it us doing it? Is it God doing it? Who decided Did he have control the whole time? Did we, or did we not? Um, and it just, it gets tough. Um, but I think the, the end all be all again is, is does it, does the answer to the question dilute God's omnipotence and omniscience? Um, if the answer is yes, probably look a little bit closer just to make sure if the answer is no, you're probably in the clear um that being said i like to invoke the the thought that god resides out of our concept of linear time um and with that something that might seem like a change of mind or change of perspective to us in reality doesn't change the penultimate or the ultimate outcome of him bringing and drawing closer to him those who were called to be with him in eternity um So like whether I get better from the cold that I have because I prayed about it doesn't necessarily affect the ultimate outcome of me going to heaven or not, which might be the only outcome that he's concerned with, Mm. uh, in which case he didn't change his mind about that, even though he was like, yeah, sure, like you don't have to be sick anymore. Um, So I think it gets complex and nuanced because we see things incredibly linearly. But at the same time, um, I, I don't really see him changing his mind and not changing his mind at the same time as compatible. And so I want to make distinctions about in what regard or through what framework would he be changing his mind or not changing his mind?
0: Yeah. Um, And you're right. And so that brings it because there's, there are multiple verses to Caleb's point here. And I hate to say this because Caleb brings up rarely a good point. This is one of them. Um, You have Abraham negotiating with God. You have the, I mean, even the question of the anointing of Saul as King, did yeah? You know, did God want want them to have a king? It seems that Samuel's grieving when he's like, "Fine, the people cry out long enough, we'll give you a king." That ends up being disastrous. And I know this. I, I need to get the verse and put it in the notes here. But I remember in uh, in one in part of Samuel, there's literally a paragraph which said um, they asked uh, they asked Samuel like, "Does you know do they does, do you regret making Saul king?" And he's like, you know, the Lord who is the glory of Israel to regret, right?" And then the next paragraph, and God regretted making uh, Saul king. Yeah, First right, Samuel 15, 11, right? Yeah, yeah like God, God had this state of regret from what he'd
3: done. And I just thought that was super, super fascinating that like the God of the universe who has a sovereign will created someone knowing full and
0: well what was going to happen ahead of time, and yet he regretted it. That's right. Let's pull it up. Actually, this, so we've mentioned it twice now. It was like, does anyone have their Bible test? Who's got their Bible? Because obviously we all have this memorized, but I just want to account for different translations because, you know, Caleb's reading it in the uh, in Hebrew. And so, uh, Parker, do you have the Duke Divinity version? It's an $80,000 book.
2: Uh, yeah, it's the NRSV. <laughs> I, let me let me throw this statement on that thought because we, we kind of unpacked it. Y'all helped me articulate it. I, here's what I think. I think I fully believe that God can hear our prayer and answer it according to our prayer even if it's a if it's a change or a pivot. I also believe this is what's crazy and I think it's okay that he's fully sovereign that he knows what we're going to pray because he's all knowing he's outside of time and space. So therefore he doesn't change his mind if he you know what's coming. I believe that too. So I think I think I believe both. Inception. And I think I think, <laughs> I think that's okay. I'm okay with that. So that's where I'm at. Do we have the verse? Because uh, I want to see. There's, yeah. a,
0: there's two paragraphs where it's like, the glory of Israel, who is he to regret? And then God regretted. Parker, you want to read it? Yeah, I got it. First um, Samuel 15, 11,
1: I regret that I made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands. Now, interestingly, because this is, again, looking at the language, this is where I would immediately go. This says the word of the Lord. I have no idea what that means. If it was the Lord saying that he regretted, why would it not say that the Lord said? Because First Samuel 16, verse 1, it says, the Lord said to Samuel. Right. They're different. Okay, so you, you've got two texts mm. incredibly close to one another. One is the word of the Lord, and one is the Lord said. Are, do we read into that grammatical construction? Do we not? Does one convey God's direct action? Is the other a vision? Is one a sign? Is one him speaking? Like, it's very difficult to adjudicate who's actually
2: acting there, in my opinion.
0: Adjudicate—that was on your card too, right, Caleb? I've also
2: got that one. I've got somebody writing down these words tomorrow. Okay, right, so. that's right.
0: We'll we'll explain what those words mean later. Um, exactly. Also, Parker, isn't this why you pay hundred thousand dollars to go to seminary so you can help us answer these questions? Like I, I, hear you. I you know, no,
1: no, 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 that's <laughs> that's actually false. The master students news. <laughs> are particularly like the only reason the master students are there to ask enough questions to fill up the doctorate students in the professor's dockets so that they have work to do so they can keep getting paid. That's it. We just ask the questions.
0: Got it. Okay. So just so we're clear in that scripture, we're saying one is when God's somewhat regretting, it's a, uh, there's one version of the Lord, the word of the Lord. And then the other one, when he's talking about uh, who is the glory of Israel to regret, is that the statement to Samuel?
1: Uh, No, I was just referencing something in chapter 16. So it's like a chapter later, it says the Lord said, because I wanted to make the distinction between pre-quotation references to something happening with God and then a statement.
0: Can someone, this is going to drive me nuts, can someone look at, because there is a line where he says, who is the glory of Israel to regret? And I think is it brings me back to Nick's point, because we all have the part where you know, we're talking about God regretting potentially, but there's a line in there where Samuel, I believe, is call, is asked this and he says, who is the glory of Israel that he should regret? And that seems to go against uh, Caleb's point.
3: Yeah, it says it, uh, it says it here in verse 29 of the same chapter. Um, it says, he who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being that
0: he should change his mind. Okay, whoa. Now i just rethinking everything I just said. So he, the glory of Israel does not change his mind. Um,
3: yeah, it does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being that he should change his mind.
2: Yeah, why would a perfect God have to change his mind?
3: Yeah, exactly. So that's what I was getting into when I when I see, and um, I just see in scripture, and I see, you know, from different people who are way smarter than I, that there is kind of a lot of mutual agreement upon this idea that God has through time had several different wills at one time, um, and we can choose, you know, based on our prayer life, based on um, the actions and the decisions that we make, like what line and what will that we're following God in and God already has the end in mind for whatever choice that we're going to make. Um, but I just thought that was really, really fascinating. So like we know that God never changes his mind. Our prayer life is not merely something that we're doing to convince God. It's like, God, if I could just convince you to change your mind, God, if I could just, you know, try and alter your plan here for a second. Uh, but it's really the sovereign will of God saying like, you know, how will this play out, and will this play out in a way that's for my glory in the end, and for the good of the world? Um, and sometimes the answer is no, and sometimes the answer is not yet, and sometimes that answer is yes. Just like you know, Sunday school teaches us. But uh, it's a really, really fascinating thing to think about. It's like
0: Marvel's multiverse, like Loki, kind of. So this is interesting. There are multi yeah, the original multi- patent. That's right. God had, God had the multiverse long before that. All right. Well, we got to, as we're, uh, cause we're getting, time is slowing down, uh, as it often does when I talk, but, uh, we have to get, uh, we have to get moving on here. Uh, Nick, since we got you warmed up and buzzing right now as we got you into Samuel, which I know gets you, gets you blood flowing. Um, what's something you struggle with? Uh, obviously you are known as the perfecter of our faith in, in South Carolina, but, uh, what, uh, what are things that you're struggling with? Or is there a thing that, you know, is one of your, Pet peeves that you're working out with God?
3: Yeah, man. One of the big things that I have just been struggling with, I've struggled with it in the past. I've struggled with it even recently. Uh, I see a lot of the church dealing with it today, um, is just this like manufacturing of fruit um, that we see like in the Bible. Uh, we see, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. I don't need to recite those because uh, I think we all know the basics of what they are. But um, I, I just wonder like, how many people in the church today, myself included, at times have like, tried to put on or manufacture uh, fruit of faith so that we'll be perceived or that we'll be looked on as acceptable by our community rather than like having such a depthful um, relationship with God that it just overflows as a result of our love for him and his love for us. And, uh, man, I think that's one of the biggest reasons for burnout and pastoral leadership. I think it's one of the biggest reasons of deconstruction today is that like people are tired of putting on, people are tired of like trying to manufacture a fruit, um, in order to look or be perceived as, or be accepted in a certain way. And as a result, people are just tired and I don't blame them. And I don't, I don't see that it's the way that it should be in scripture. Um, and then I think the other big thing is like, you know, Paul says that uh, we're saved by grace through faith, um, not any works of ourselves, lest man should boast. But there is also this human element of like the pursuit of God and and the the love of God and a faith that we have in Him. Uh, but then again, you jump over to Romans one, and it says that you know no one has any excuse for we've all seen creation. Um, and so, yeah, just a lot of these like kind of back and forth wrestling matches that I've been having in my head, similar to what Caleb was saying earlier, uh, that have just kind of been, you know, I've just been trying to work those things out in my mind and work them out in my prayer life. And, um, it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, it never stops and there's always something on the other side of it, but those are just a few of the things.
0: Mm. Caleb, I know you've struggled with having fruit, um, and you're big on no GMOs. Uh, so does any of that resonate with you?
2: Yeah, I think um, I, I had this thought when I was 11. Um, it was the first time I played baseball. And my I got on this like church league team. And before our first game, we had like one practice. We went to the big sporting goods store here. And I bought, I mean, everything I could, the gloves, the like everything, all the stuff, the new bat, the new baseball. Steroids. And essentially, what the Steroids started young. <laughs> what I was doing was I was I was essentially I know this is a stretch, but I was fabricating like I wasn't that good. There was no reason for me to go do all that. But I think it's human nature. And I think it's rooted in most of us as out of an insecurity that we can't always articulate, but we want we're going to fabricate wherever we are even if it's a good thing, even if it's in church. So I, I think most of the time, churches, we've all been in, in organizations and in places where the motive isn't bad, but we're, we're prone to create and to fabricate what we want to be, <laughs> even if it's a little fake getting there. So I, I, I think I often understand the organizations that do that. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. I've been through seasons of frustration you know, there's a lot of things I still wrestle with, but I understand. I do understand it. I really understand it, and it doesn't it doesn't bother me as much because I understand where it comes from. So that that's kind of my answer to the the fabricating thing. And the other thing is, I think on this side of of our faith journey, it's you know, come to me, all who are weary. You know, it's like you're saying, call out to God. He He's going to hear us. He's and then once we pass away and we walk into heaven, we're going to walk through that same door that said you know, come to me all who are weary, we're going to look back and it's going to be like, "For I've chosen you by name. Right. And again, it's just this, there's a dance, there's a tension. And I think it's accepting that, that there's two sides to that. So that's kind of how I rest in that. That's my response. Amazing. We are getting uh, even closer. As St. Paul
0: said, uh, "The night is almost over; our time is almost at an end." Uh, so I have to move this along, even though I want to get Parker's comments on the lack of fruit. But Parker, um, as someone who is uh, currently, you know, really digging into this, and um, you know, you and I have talked offline about this, about just the marvel of Scripture that as you study it more, is there something that is uh, as your education in this area has progressed? Are, is there any new? uh, Pandora's boxes that have opened that make this particularly frustrating or anything that's like irking you right now?
1: Yeah. The biggest thing for me right now, both academically and personally is covenant theology. So what is God promising to who at what
0: time and what does that include and how do we receive it? Interesting. So are you talking about the differences between promises principles proverbs and kind of prophecies and then where they are and like what's what's for us today yeah. like jeremiah 29 11, all the stuff that goes on your coffee mug you know is sure. that
1: i would say that that's appropriate um uh, but i think a lot of it too is like okay from adam to right now who is being invited into the fold of eternity with god and why and is god locked into that and if he is locked into that does that in one way, shape or form limit his power or not? And either way, how do we explain that in understandable language?
0: To get that answer, you'll have to tune in next week. So I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Covenant theology. All right. Well, so you haven't figured that out for us. So you're going to work on that while we figure out all the other stuff. Is that kind of how we're going to go forward? Well, I've got a twenty-page paper on Genesis chapter fifteen. I'll send it your way after this, and we can. Okay, so that'll be available in the show notes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, great, fantastic. Caleb also is like a courtroom sketch artist. He has drawn a picture of what everyone looks like on <laughs> the this side call. hustle. The side hustle on this. Um, all right, I want to finish uh, with uh, on an upbeat. You now we've we've. Basically, deconstructed God for the last hour, repenting of it. Uh, I want to go a little lightning round uh, just to leave listeners. All of you ostensibly have had, you wouldn't be where you are today and you wouldn't profess to be Christians if you didn't have some experiential evidence of God in your life. Um, maybe not for you, Caleb, but for the rest of you. Um, you know, ostensibly something has happened uh, that you believe in god and not just intellectual evolution all that stuff that is fine but like you know there's something must have happened so i'm curious if any of you uh and nick maybe we can start with you is uh is there a cool uh god moment or something that's happened to you in you know recent time or just something that comes to mind that you'd like to share with everybody yeah man
3: well i mean i I think the big one is you know just my story of, you know, I was once walking in darkness and now I'm walking in light. And I mean, hearing, you know, Jesus call you out by name, like Caleb was just saying a minute ago is really one of the craziest experiences that um, you could have ever faced. But uh, yeah, man, I, I think that, you know, just recently just seeing God answer the prayers of people around me, I just had a call uh, literally less than two hours ago from um, two friends who have been uh, walking with God for a long time, have also been praying to um, get pregnant and have a baby for quite a long time as well. And uh, they walked into these infertility treatments and they didn't have peace about it. And so they had a consultation meeting, no like actual work was done. And I mean, they've been trying for probably the better part of a decade. And wow. so they walked out of the consultation meeting and, um, a yeah, they never they never went back. And uh, a week later, give or take, they they took a test and they were completely like they were pregnant. And so, um, just seeing like how God wants to show completely His glory pregnant. in different ways. Yeah, yeah. Co- yeah, completely. So they they were the completely co-
2: pregnant. They were nine months pregnant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> they were, exactly. Yeah. it's just like they walked out of the meeting and like she had the baby next week. And that's huge. That yeah. is yeah. answer prayer. Had
0: the baby. Yeah, next
3: <laughs> but um, but wow. yeah, I mean, just you know, stuff like that and. I don't know. I think a lot of times I fall more to like the Sarah side of things sometimes um, when she like laughs at God because Abraham or God tells Abraham um, that they will have a baby and Sarah like Snickers at God. And I think I probably far too much fall on that side of thinking things that like, man, I don't know if God actually can do that. And then he does. And it just blows me away all over again, just like he did when I was 14. um, So like six months ago but um but <laughs> yeah man it's it's cool god's been god's been really good
0: and just show me new stuff in new ways that's awesome wow that's that's uh anyone who's going through that it is it is tough man when people are it's like it's tough too especially in christian culture when like everyone's ring by spring married and just popping out kids and uh a lot of friends walking through that and it's tough but, dude also i'd be down to ivf yeah, man that's it can get expensive so you gotta have yeah. that yeah you gotta have that uh, money multiplying you gotta be a 10 mm-hmm. talent servant you know so caleb, caleb what about caleb, you you've you've had a you've had a prayer answered or two obviously i know that being on this show is obviously sort of a tremendous answer this to would be prayer. my
2: biggest confirmation for
0: that's Chris right Randy, okay is the fact that the three of us would take pity and welcome here
2: <laughs> that's it man i think it's easy to um for me i'm a visual person i like to touch, feel, envision things. Like, um, and I I could list a lot of things that there's been moments of like of, of a feeling or like a crazy prayer answered or like there there's been missions trips where I've seen like tangible miracles happen. And those are really can those are really good things, but it doesn't take long for those to kind of fade to the back of your mind. Like it does not take long for for the feelings of God to become less efficient in affirming your faith and your confidence in the character of God. So
0: is that because um, you do so
2: many miracles personally that you get like, they just sort of blend together for you I that I do, yeah. um, okay. with the sketches, okay. but uh, <laughs> no, but uh, so I, I don't want to answer it with that. I, I would just say like, I, I mean, it's, we've talked about this before, but it, it takes more faith for me to believe that there's not a God than it does that, you know, like, I know that I'm here on purpose, and sometimes I wonder what that purpose is in this season. But I know I'm made. We wonder too, Caleb. To <laughs> I, to <laughs> I love to create. I love to build, and I know that that had to come from somewhere else. Like I've been doing it since I was tiny. Like I know that there are things in me that that come from something higher and more powerful. And the gospel—that's what resonates with me, and that's where I see truth, like historical truth. I see the the spiritual things I've seen, the miracle, like all those things, that's where the most things line up for me. And I don't have all the answers and I'm not by any means perfect. And there's still things of darkness that my spirit battles, you know, Um, I'm not Nick and I haven't been fully delivered and perfected yet. So, (laughs) but um, yeah, man, that's it for me. I just know that I know that I'm on purpose. I know Mm. that I'm here for a reason and that's something bigger than me. I couldn't have done that myself
0: and that's on purpose folks not on porpoise which sometimes people book. yeah on harbors on, on porpoise because on porpoise being, is actually yeah on, a the, man wrote that one right. there's the porpoise driven life which is a great calendar that he took <laughs> of uh dolphin pictures but we'll come we to that we did a coloring
2: book, book off of rick warren's that's thing. right
0: the porpoise driven life so lots lot to be found there <laughs> uh <laughs> uh parker uh any uh Any particular, since everyone else is pretty much dodging this uh, question specifically, which actually we're getting great answers, but is there a moment or something where, um, and the reason I get at this is because I don't know about y'all, but a lot of people I talk to are just like, you tell them like, it's funny because Caleb is exactly uh my perspective is like yo, know, the miracles and answer prayers like it doesn't take long to forget uh a, a week you're like i'll never forget this. this is amazing week later it's like i don't know what that was maybe it was god coincidence probably uh and so like yeah and also if the israelites uh you know can cross the literally if the seas can part and then like a chapter later they're like let's go back i don't even really? know if god's with us anymore <laughs> i'm like all right we'll be okay um so you know, Parker, is there anything that stands out in your journey that uh has been particularly formative for you? Uh or are yeah. you gonna be like these guys, just a, a progression of faith? A-
1: no, I, so there there have been a few um pivotal moments in my opinion. One of Finally. them Finally. All right, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Storm and I were just talking about this the other day. Uh when I was applying for schools, uh like I had sort of I'm very type A. And so I printed out a photo of the school and then like all of the documents I would need to submit for the application, and like all of the professors I would potentially like to work with, and like all of these different things. And it was like a 15 page stack per school. I had them all <laughs> lifted out, and uh, it was like 20 schools. And finally, I was like, all right, Storm, based on like economic possibilities, like home stuff, like actual research opportunities, likelihood of me getting in or whatever, like let's put these into two different stacks. So I had my like, let's apply here stack. And I had my let's not apply here stack. And I was going to throw away my let's not apply here stack. And Storm spills a cup of coffee on uh, the let's not apply here stack. And so I moved quicker to get things into the trash can, put it in the trash can. And on top of the trash can, you know, sad coffee uh, running down the Duke packet. I kind of look at it and I go, Storm, what about Duke? She goes, what, what do you mean? We just put it in the like not applying pile. I said, I can't really remember why we put it in that pile. She goes, me either. So take it out of the pile, obviously apply. You know, it, nine months later, here we are, we've, we've got, we were able to get a beautiful home in this part of the country. We have a little baby boy on the way. I'm really enjoying uh, my academic journey here at Duke as well as the friends that I've made. And uh, for a bunch of different reasons during the application process, the admissions process and everything else, it's just been made incredibly clear that I was supposed to be here at Duke. Um, And I'm not saying that like, I prayed to God, like, Oh Lord, what school shall I end up at? And it's like, and then the word of the Lord came to me and said, Duke university, you and coach K like, well, like, no, that didn't happen. Um, But what did happen is like, I prayed prayers of discernment for months leading up to that application process. And it took like a stupid, like throwing away applications and a coffee spill for me to go, yeah, what about Duke? Um, and so, again, like non believers are going to say, Yeah, you just looked at the application on top of the pile, but it's like anyone that knows the heart of God or has had one of these experiences, like that's it. That's what I'm talking about. Like that's what answered prayers look like. Um, so, that was
0: definitely the most recent pivotal moment for me. That's awesome. Do you remember what kind of coffee it was? Cause that, is there any chance to say
2: the same thing? I've got a little bit. Can I do this on something?
0: Yeah. So is it it a dark roast, you know?
1: (laughs) For those that uh, have been to Austin, Texas, it was picnic there. And it was their Mayan mocha. We're big fans of the Mayan mocha. You get that uh, brain boost dust or whatever, as well as some MCT oil. It's super fruity, but delicious.
0: I love it. sponsorship. That's so that's so pagan with Nick Hurst. Hey, I got a show right there, man. <laughs> oh my gosh, guys, thank you. This was so fun. I uh this conclude we did this is our first episode. I mean, for the real fans, there'll be the like the secret the demo tape that got leaked from last time, but this was the first ever kind of Christian and Friends uh, until we come up with a better title. But uh I it's been real. It's it's been fun, but it hasn't yeah, been real fun. So, <laughs>
2: you know, it's a good that's line a, we're gonna workshop a lot of what you just said that's right starting with all of it <laughs> <laughs> Man, this um, is awesome no i appreciate it
0: thank you y'all i really appreciate you doing this and uh, hopefully i'll come back and uh parker would you leave us with um what is a really fancy word that you've learned in your biblical studies that people can take home at the very least they will walk home with something unlike anything caleb said they'll be able to take this I'm and impress people already you
1: know? <laughs> Yeah, here you go. This this one's good. It was established uh in one of the the church ecumenical councils. Uh it's homoousios. That is the Greek term that describes the nature of Christ as 100% God and 100% man. Uh Sounds people like died the over
0: it, so. Could like you repeat that one more time?
1: Homoousios, I mean, but homoousios.
0: Homoousios? Okay. Yeah. Homoousios. All right. All right. Well, there we one. go. Okay. Not erectus. <laughs> All right, Kayla. <laughs> so all right. Homo usios. All right. Well, there you go. thank you so much. And on that note, folks, uh, we'll see you next time for Kind of Christian Friends.